Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. So good to be here. Uh, like I say every week, we got another great show. Uh, this week's topic, continuing on the theme of what happens when we all go back to work, back to the office, when the office buildings start opening up, when the malls start getting crowded again, and uh, does it look the same? Is it different forever? So the topic, the intelligent, experiential, and competitive workplace. And I am very excited to have this week's guest speaker, uh, Peter Miskovich, Managing Director, Strategy and Innovation for JLL. Uh, the fun thing about this conversation is I'm both saddened and excited about the fact that I've known Peter for over 30 years. Um, that tells me I've been in this business for a long time. But it also tells me that this has not been a job, but it has been a career. And along that career path, I've met some incredibly smart, hardworking, passionate people. Uh, and Peter is one of them. And our story goes back to 1990-91, where we were both working with a client in Southern California uh, on the idea of uh, a next generation residential real estate office. So let's bring in Peter Miskovich and start this wonderful conversation. Peter, how are you? Very good, Jim. So great to be with you today. Yeah, and I got to tell you, you know, we've we've crossed paths over the years, various events and stuff like that. But when you really sit and think, the first time you and I met, it was literally thirty years ago, and here it is. We are still talking about the same stuff. Um, that makes me happy and sad at the same time. Can you relate? Well, I, I can, Jim. But you know what's exciting for me? It's it's been an evolutionary journey. So if I look back at the early days, I mean, we were doing hybrid workplace pilots in the early 90s, exactly. and now we're doing them at scale globally. And so it's it's an exciting evolutionary journey, and it, it keeps the work and the passion uh, high, Jim, and intense, if, but, if you can follow that. Well, and before we get to, to your journey, but I, I'm gonna go back to where we met. If you were to pull those documents and the strategy that we co-developed for that firm, they would hold true today. Yeah, I would agree. Early hoteling, early co-working, early technology enablement, distributed work, distributed workforce, talent attraction, real estate optimization. Laptops uh, cost for everybody. Yes. It, 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 not internet access, because I don't think we had. CompuServe uh, for everybody. It was just starting, <laughs> right, just starting. <laughs> Wow, that, that, that's so. Why don't you give everybody, you know, a three, two, three minute background of your journey because it is pretty incredible. And as I mentioned, it's one thing to have an opinion, but it's another thing to have credibility and credentials to back up that opinion. Well, thank you, Jim. So, you know, began my career in the uh, engineering and architectural realm, and then went into management consulting. And to date, I've helped to transform, you know, 1.5 billion square feet of corporate real estate globally and have impacted over 50 large corporate headquarters, um, mainly Fortune 100 clients. I've been at JLL now going on 15 years. And so I work with C-suite clients in terms of their strategies. And then I also support our leadership team, our CEO and, and executive leadership team at JLL on our own future of work journey. And I've been in that role really since about 2015, 2016. So um, yeah, I've never been busier and, and more passionate and more engaged. Yeah, well, I mean, again, I think it does point to the fact that experience does matter. And when you've seen this over and over in different iterations over a 30-year time frame, you know, and I don't want to discourage people just coming into the industry who think they've got everything figured out, but but there is some lessons to be learned from the sage old folks who have been around this block a few times because the truth is we don't want them to make the same mistakes we did. And we've made a we've made a bunch. 
and there's lessons to be learned. And I think it's really, at least I feel it, are my job now to try to reach that younger audience and share as fast as I can all the experiences that, that we've had, you know, and, uh, and, and, and the pitfalls and the potholes to avoid. So I understand uh, you've got a book out. Why don't we bring that up and let, why don't you give the uh, viewers a little overview of what that book's all about. Well, thank you, uh, Jim. We uh, we published and and wrote the workplace you need now with our America's CEO and head of uh, research. And this was this book came out in November of twenty twenty one. The workplace you need now. It's a number one uh, bestseller on Amazon best business and operational books, and uh, we've sold well over uh, twelve thousand copies. And it's really a navigation uh, approach for the future of the workplace. And we wrote it in the midst of the pandemic. We have over 20 client case studies featured in the book. And it really offers, as I said, a navigational framework as to what's next and how do organizations large and small adapt to the evolution of work and the future of work. So Very thank good. you for allowing me to, to share it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it's always nice to know that you can go to a source and, and a good read get the context. And I think that's what's missing from so many of these conversations is context. You know, a 140 character tweet is wonderful, but reading a 500 page book gives you context. You know, in, in, in a couple of sittings, you can sit down and get 30 years of experience. So when we were prepping for this, it seems like both of us are aligning on this thing called a convergence of multiple pan, you know, shifts, not just technology, but biology, the pandemic and uh, climate change. Why don't you give us a little perspective on all the big things that you think are coming together that are going to ultimately change how we use space. Well, clearly, um, the future of work and the enablement of technology to support new ways of working. And then with the pandemic, as we've discussed, it really served as an accelerant to the future of work and the hybrid work behavioral profiles. And work is moving from a location centric approach to a human centric approach. So actual work, and this is from our, our studies with Gartner and Forrester and, and McKinsey and others, the, the human-centric work approach allows work to be organized around the individual. And hybrid work, hybrid workforce, hybrid workplace, uh, new real estate you know, ecosystems are evolving as a result of all of that. Hmm. So when you meet with these senior people at these, the, some of the biggest organizations in the world, let's say your last couple of weeks of your calls and your meetings, what are the top three topic issues, questions, concerns, fears that you guys have been discussing? Clearly, uh, Jim, right now, one of the main drivers across all of my you know, Fortune 100 clients is talent and digital talent and attracting the workforce and talent of the future and enabling that talent. And the pandemic has really uh, shifted the focus where you know real estate and workplace is not looked at necessarily as a cost, although it can be a significant cost, but how do we ensure we're enabling experience, we're engaging that future workforce, that future digital talent in particular, and how do we ensure that we're, we're meeting our business objectives and financial performance objectives through the engagement of talent and then how that talent is, if you will, organized and orchestrated via both hybrid work, hybrid workplace, hybrid workforce, AI enablement. I mean, the ecosystem is is a rich one. 
And so uh, the clients that we have, we're, we're trying to help them navigate this complexity. And we do see it as a learning approach over the next two to three years as we come through the pandemic in terms of this future state for the future of work and for these new levels of performance. So, so let's go a little old school. You know, Henry Ford invents this thing called the automobile and tells us, you know, we can live in the suburbs and then we can drive to downtown and go to the office and, you know, if we have a lunch break or after work, we'll drive to the mall and do a little shopping, maybe, you know, go home or, or go out to dinner. And the pandemic obviously forced us to fast track the digital transformation that was already going on, right? right. So, so this workplace, um, we've been on calls just like you last couple of weeks where people still believe we're going to go back almost to the way it was where we take that two hour commute into the city five days a week. What does a hybrid, you know, in literal sense with specifics, what does a hybrid scenario look like, especially for a younger employee that is a digital native and, and, and knows they've got skills, but is a little bit more forceful than we may have been? So with this, this hybrid evolution, we're seeing a lot of diversity and no one size fits all. I have clients right now with various cohorts, younger cohorts or you know various demographic cohorts in the office five days a week, four days a week. And, and even with Omicron and the variants that we've had to contend with, we've seen in-office behavior come back, especially into class A building locations and desirable locations where there's a high value of both experiential, if you will, engagement and learning and collaboration. And those cohorts are, you know, office centric. But then beyond those cohorts, we have folks that are in the office two to three days a week. They still want a peak experience when they come in two to three days a week and providing that experience. And then the rest of their time can be spent at the remote office, the home office, the co-working site you know, wherever that may be. And then there's another cohort that we're working with that's only coming to the office two to three days a month. And some of them may live a plane ride away. Right. And that's an emerging demographic and, and, and talent uh, cohort that will be yet, um, you know, distinguishable from the other two. So it's, it's a diverse mix at the moment, Jim. And it, again, mm -hmm. makes um, the, the work, you know, quite challenging, but also quite rewarding in trying to address this diversity of both talent, workplace, workforce, technology enablement. So we were actually going to call one of our partners last couple of days, and they've literally shut down offices in New York, Dallas, London, and, and have arranged contracts with a co-working uh, organization for the, the need, you know, space on demand. They, they kept a conference room, I think, just a conference room in New York. If, if, if that's done, it's any kind of scale. I mean, doesn't that not shift the paradigm pretty significantly? It's interesting, you know, I have other clients who are actually taking more class A office space today yeah. than they did pre-pandemic. And they're also utilizing co-working. So what we, we could have is a high degree of office demand, flight to quality for class A space, high demand for co-working, you know, options, suburban and urban, and a high degree of work from home, hybrid remote work, all happening simultaneously. And the question will be, how does this all play out over the next two to three years across, you know, various organizations, various real estate markets? And, and what does this look like in terms of a societal shift in, in the way we work, the way we behave? And, and what does optimization really mean, Jim? I, I don't think anyone truly knows that answer yet. No. And that, that's the, you know, evolutionary journey that I think we're all on with our clients.
So one quick question before we go to commercial. Um, you real estate typically thinks in 20, 30 year terms, right? Because of the financial structure. The pandemic pulled the rug out and forced a lot of people to look at how things are being done. How, how smooth or disruptive is it going to be from a financial perspective if this model has to shift faster than the financiers could have ever expected? I think we'll have to see how the next year plays out in particular, Jim. I think there's some overhang um, from 2020, 2021, and I think 2022 will be the year that will tell that story. And so we're looking at the next, you know, nine, 10 months here very carefully yeah. in terms of those outcomes. But real estate, as we both know, it doesn't transform overnight. No. And given our longevity, you know, some of these trends that you and I launched in the early 90s are now coming to maturity. Well, so I think I think we, we have to have patience and a little still, bit of wisdom. We still need patience. Yes. So yes. I, I remember I was in New York and I'd asked, I was asked to speak. This was in the 90s, early 90s. And I won't say names or organizations, but I was asked to speak. And we're on stage, a few hundred people in the audience, senior level people. And this guy was kind of arrogant. And, and he's... I, he said, I said, you better be prepared someday to convert all the office buildings to residential. Okay. This was 30 years ago. He looked at me like I had just, you know, gone out of my mind. The audience starts to laugh. He picks up on the cue from the audience. He starts grilling me, well, Jim, what are we going to do with elevators that were designed for offices that won't be programmed for residential? Or what about operable windows? I said, when this all hits, you'll figure out how to open the windows and replay Retune the elevators. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, meanwhile, you know, since 2008, almost 25 million square feet of commercial office in lower Manhattan was converted to converted. residential. Right. So exactly. these conversions have been occurring. And so the yeah. question is, you know, how much, when, and, and you know, at what level of, of conversion might occur in the future? And then that changes. And then that's a whole other conversation, the dynamics of the change of central business districts. Uh, somebody changed it from CBD to better business district or, you know, because it's more residential and, and entertainment. Yeah, it, it's all it's all happening very fast. All right, so let's take a brief break. And when we come back, we're gonna to wanna to talk about some specific features of this next generation hybrid office at the building level. And let's even talk a little bit about what the home office might look like in the future um, as more and more people start to spend more time in a home office environment. Um, and with that, let's have a, a brief break and we'll be right back. The role of the workplace is to drive collaboration, engagement, and business results. But with hybrid work schedules, shifting needs, and various health requirements, bringing employees together as a team is harder than it used to be. With MRI, you can bring people back to the office in a way that suits their needs and the needs of the business. Create a safe, flexible, and productive work environment with space planning and reservation tools that empower employees to make optimal use of your workplace. Control the flow of employees and visitors in and out of the office with solutions that give you a full view of who's on site and who's working remotely. Leverage technology to evaluate usage and business demand, optimizing your space, and plan for the office of the future. Reinvent your workspace into a thriving workplace. All right, so you know, it's one thing to talk about esoteric big ideas and paradigm shifts and digital transformation. Let's try to get a little specific. I'm now, you know, and I think one of your quotes was 
the workplace, going to the workplace must be worth the commute, right? So yes. we talked a lot about value, not cost, experience, not cost. So last week's episode was just so much fun. We had holoportation or what we would have called a teleportation. So let's just talk a few minutes about when I get on that subway or fly into that regional office, what that office is gonna look like. As it relates to an immersive experience, I'll lay out three things. Digital war rooms, teleportation areas, and then integration with this crazy new thing called the metaverse. What does the office start to look like uh, over the next few years? Well, I'll use our, our example in our work with Accenture, whereby the new Accenture sites really enable experiential in-office work. 80 to 90% of those sites are highly collaborative, highly technology enabled. You can also, we now have 20 offices across Accenture, which have been placed into the metaverse and into the immersive collaborative platform. So you have digital twin representation of actual physical offices. And so this ability to work in a physical office, to work in a metaverse context and format of that office, to work at a co-working site as well. So the, the ecosystem diversification is expanding. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I've been in the metaverse. I mean, Jim, I think you and I, I was part of Second Life in the early in the early years. I I, I mean the metaverse I is, on <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the metaverse is fine, but two to three to four hours in the metaverse is also taxing from wow. a cognitive perspective. Right. So the ability to have diverse um, experiential journeys, either you know, digital, physical, virtual, immersive, um, and then to have that level of community community collaboration and connectivity within that entire ecosystem i mean that's what we're seeing as part of this next evolution the, the the thing that i have the most trouble communicating to senior level folks is not either or but both and in that hybrid scale from all online to all physical and and when i say you know you need to be able to go from your office in the building in manhattan to the coffee room and have three conversations with four teleworkers as you're walking you know, from the coffee room back to your office. You know, it's got to be ubiquitous. It's got to be smooth. It can't be complicated. And in and, and the virtual world and the physical world just have to seamlessly come together. They can't, they're really having trouble racing what that means. Well, I think um, we're doing some piloting work with, with Microsoft and Microsoft Teams. And, mm -hmm. and here again, the ability to have digital workplace integration and enablement across the platform we're on right now across a metaverse immersive environment and a physical environment in a seamless simultaneous way that is you know a year away and then apple glass google glass next versions of uh, augmented reality enablement are also going to help us on this journey uh jim including new wearables yeah. So it's 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 I think coming together maybe more quickly than some of us uh, can fully realize. And at the executive levels, I, I find my, you know, I have nine godchildren, right, all under the age of thirty. The folks who've been in the gamified environments for for many years, they they can embrace this much more quickly than right. some of our our senior executives who have not had that gamification experience. You're absolutely right. We we actually hack team for two, three of our hybrid events, we went high production costs, a lot of technicians, complicated. And I kept saying to my team, we got to keep bringing this down to a, a very simple level. And by the last hybrid event, we said, we're going to do the whole thing using teams. We were using switch boxes and I call it hacking it. And when, when, the, when the Microsoft people saw it, they said, what, how, what are you doing? And I said, we're using your platform to make it seamlessly 
integrated with a physical environment and a, and a virtual environment and not just looking at two heads, right? We, right. we played around some other ideas and for hacking it, we had a lot of fun and actually made a lot of progress on, on what that experience could look like. Um, before Amazing. we run out of time, before we run out of time, so the home office, you know, used to be a third bedroom converted <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me, you know, you had a business person open, they have to walk to the living room, through the kitchen, to the office. Uh, and obviously companies like WeWork and others have really taken the, the, the work flex workspace to another level. What does the home office in that local little flex office, how does that play or the coffee shop for that matter? What does it look like outside the, the office as far as options? Well, clearly we're starting to see actually starting this first quarter of 2022 companies invest in home office provisioning. And I have four technology clients where in 15 minutes, technicians come to your home, your home office is entirely provisioned and set up, and you have a home office, high quality workplace experience, hybrid experience, equal to that of being in the office. Mm. And so we are now starting to see that investment to be made so that, again, this seamless digital workplace integrative, you know, value prop can be, can be realized. The co-working sites, I think, also are going to emerge, and I think we might see at some point where, you know, whether it's a, a chain of some sort, if you could imagine, you know, we work on steroids where you could have multiple sites within New York City or San Francisco or London where you can go in and have a four-hour or two-hour, one-hour, 30-minute meeting that is seamless and collaborative, again, yeah. and digitally enabled. So I think there's some new levels of co-working yet to be explored and and developed and then the home office will improve and then this platform we're on today jim like you, you yeah. described the te the teams platforms of the world will, will become more sophisticated and much right. more powerful well we, we've been doing the, the coffee shop meetings guys like you and i for literally 30 years i remember coming to manhattan with a laptop a wang laptop okay <laughs> i really date myself in a 2400 2400 baud modem and alligator clips right. staying staying at a hotel in new york so i could get my email right um but the, the, those locations, the WeWorks, the coffee shops, they have to do it at scale, right? So it's easy to know you can get, because I've been in coffee shops as you have, and it gets too loud, you know, if you're on a right. conference, so you need some quiet space and you need, um, I'm actually working with a company that's um, a great idea, ZenPod, where they, they provide a little phone booth, but some, not just phone booths, some really technology enabled phone booths, uh, meeting spaces. And so, there's a whole new world opening up to provide this converged uh, kind of space that allows people to really work anywhere. I, I think so. And I think you'll see the hospitality and the hotels confidentially. We have several of our hotel clients that are looking to provision at scale, you know, more immediate uh, co-working um, digital workplace integration offerings. So, so if you think about any space that can be technology enabled where somebody wants to work, I, I mean, that possibility is, is a pretty large playing field of, of opportunity and enablement. And, and then the question is, what do the people want? You know, what, right. what will, where will human demand and human experiential demand migrate to as we, as we move forward? And I know this isn't necessarily technology innovation bullseye, but it is innovation. One of the questions I want to ask, I wanted to ask you was what's one of the most innovative things that one of your clients is doing? And you talked about this thing where there's some horses. Can you talk about that? <laughs> yeah, no, we have we have one client who was actually in the Wall Street Journal this week, whereby, you know, they're they're building a, a wellness ranch and retreat to enable uh 
their corporate culture. And so there's some really new innovative interventions in terms of experiential engagement, how to build culture. I mean, being in an office five days a week is fine, but are there new and more innovative ways to build corporate culture? And we're seeing, you know, um, a number of firms explore that in new and interesting ways. And I think more to come. Well, we'll see you, a lot more of that. Well, if you're not spending 10 hours a week on a, on a, in an automobile or on a train, and, you're, and, and, and that means a lot of space gets reconfigured. Our theme this year for the conference is the great reconfiguration, the mm -hmm. great capital yeah. R, capital E configuration, because it's configuration. It's reconfiguring buildings, cities, companies, people, families. It really is brought to light that we're going to live a lot different with this flexibility. It's a reimagination on all fronts. And I think that the, one of the takeaways from today's discussion I'd like to leave you with is that people want peak experience. And if it's in the hybrid workplace, if it's the home office, if it's the co-working site, if it's working from a hotel room, they want a peak high quality experience. I agree. And that demand threshold, Jim, has been elevated much more so in the last two years than in our last 20 years of this journey. Yep, I mean, and then when the day comes when I go to a hotel today in the United States and I don't have to get on my knees to go underneath the desk to plug in my power, and there's still an analog alarm clock sitting on the desk. <laughs> <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but but see, all of this takes time, and it takes that you know if you think oh, about come re, on. Re, thirty re, years, isn't that enough time? <laughs> if you think about reconfiguring every conference room in the world, Jim, to be hybrid capable and and high quality experiential capable, that that's a big lift. That is a big lift. Yeah, but so, but, yeah, but I, I go back to our opening statement. It we've been at this for thirty years, and I thought we would have been a little further down the road. No, I, I'm actually very pleased. The, the pandemic it was an accelerant, and it really taught us new ways of of engagement, and and actually validated many of the same, you know, hypotheses that you and I shared in 1992. Um, in 2022, those those hypotheses have been proven out to be highly valuable. Well, I am just so glad you remain optimistic. You, you your attitude is phenomenal. You're still you got that passion still burning in you. I'll have to call you every once in a while for a lift because yeah, I, I got to be honest. I just sometimes I shrug my shoulders and go, "Really? Yeah. It took a pandemic. It took a pandemic." No, yeah. the, we're 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 with you all the way, Jim. Call me anytime. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Maybe I'll end the afternoon with a little shot of whiskey. <laughs> all right. Well, listen, we are way out of time. Howard's going to kill me. Uh, we're going to bring him up for news. Thank you so much. Great to have you. We'll have you back. My if pleasure. And continue this great conversation. Thank you so much. All right. Ever. So Howard, I am so I am so sorry, Howard. Uh, I took a little bit of your time, and uh, the, the clock got away from me. But why don't you come on and do the news? And you know, it's hard to stop a good conversation. Oh, it was a great conversation. Uh, you know, thank you. It was a great show. It was really good having Peter on after not you know connecting for so many years. For all these. So I'm going to put myself in high gear, and I'll start. Uh, and I'll uh, uh, we'll start with the news. Um, highlighting a couple of stories from this week's new, weekly news briefing. Uh, first, uh, the AHR Expo uh, is the main HVAC system and controls conference here in the U.S. And it's one of the major shows for manufacturers, OEMs, and service providers. And last week at the Las Vegas Convention Center, they attracted about 4,000 attendees, 1,500 exhibitors. And there was a Connection Community Collaboratory Series of 10 educational sessions and it's been produced every year for as long as I can remember by Scott Cochran, president of Cochran Supply, and Ken Sinclair, founder of automatedbuilding.com. 
And I was fortunate to be on one of those panels that was moderated by Mark Petak and he's chief marketing and communications officer for LinkSpring. Uh, and I was there with uh, four of the most progressive, innovative, smart building consultants and solution architects on the planet. And we talked for like an hour about trends and perspectives on a variety of topics from COVID to cyber, to digital twins, to convergence, to EV charging stations. It was a great conversation. We don't always agree and the attendees were really quick to pile into the controversy, but we shared some great insights and had some good fun. So that's story one. Uh, also, and this is from Motley Fool. So aside from opening a couple of gro some grocery stores in the late eighties, Walmart's really never undertaken a huge redesign. Well, now they're looking at some big changes that are gonna change the experience for shoppers and may have some benefits for retail real estate investors. Uh, they're adding things like curated displays for more customer interaction with products, incorporating more large smart screen displays with content personalized for individual shoppers and employing broader use of QR codes. Looks like traditional big box shopping may be poised to get a little bit more interesting. Moving along, I have a, I personally, I have a special interest in prefab manufactured housing, especially small homes and ADUs. And I actually just took a tour of the Boxable factory Wednesday afternoon. Uh, that's B-O-X-A-B-L, look them up on the internet. They make a 380 square foot fully furnished foldable freestanding casita with all the appliances for under 50,000 that you literally crane into your backyard for a rental or mother-in-law unit, it's amazing. Now the French developer Boyer Immobilier has launched a new co-living company that's created a shared living experience using their stackable version, which is a 279 square foot, what they call the poly room. And these are modules. And these prefab modules have beautiful interiors and beautifully designed. And they're designed to stack like Lego bricks to erect a multifamily uh, building literally in a couple of weeks. Now the developers plans to open 15 sites by 2025, which will provide about 2,500 poly room bedrooms. Check it out, very, very nicely done. Uh, plus, WeWork just announced a partnership with Upflex, a co-working and flex-based aggregator. They're gonna establish a combined global network of over 5,500 locations. The goal is to serve all those companies who are now embarking on hybrid work strategies. And this deal is gonna help WeWork shift into an asset-like growth strategy by ramping up their physical network for members without really adding any incremental capital investment. Good move there. Uh, finally, I just wanna shout out to one of our Realcom advisors. Uh, Jeff Koch, he just left his position as Chief Information and Innovation Officer at Mill Creek Residential, where he's been since the 2015. He's just taken the role of Chief Operating Officer at Airwave, uh, and they're a Dallas tech company founded in 2016 and focused on delivering high-speed private Wi-Fi to multifamily communities. So I just want to say congratulations, Jeff. Best of luck on your new adventure. And with that, um, uh, my time's up. Well, that's it for me today. So everyone have a great weekend and see you all next week. And you know, Howard, what is amazing with the news each and every week, this stuff is coming at us from every angle. It's coming at us from the back end, the smart building, the operational efficiency, the energy, you know, conservation. It's coming from the front end, from the experience. It's going all the way back into the real estate organization, making sure every piece of data is clean, clear, in the right place, organized, efficient. Our organizations, real estate organizations, are now trying to figure out how to adopt hybrid lifestyles for their employees. I mean, it's a big lift for a CIO or for somebody. Lift, and we have to embark on a lot of this without full information. Right. Uh, you know, we're you know in a lot of areas we're we're operating with a kind of a, a lack of standards and details and a lot of uh, 
past history that could guide us. So it's um, it's an interesting time. Uh, yeah, if, I, if, I, if I would have one piece of advice for a senior level CEO, you know, C-suite typist, you got to make your chief information, chief technology, chief innovation officer, whatever you call it, they've got to become your new best friend. You're not going into the 21st century and understanding this digital transformation unless you have a very trusted, deep relationship with somebody who can deliver on the tech because it is not going away. You need a tech team that stands a little bit apart from IT that focuses on prop tech innovation, uh, all of these new, these, the new emerging tech and how we're going to integrate some of these new trends, like even as simple as ESG uh, into, uh, you know, into our, our game plans. Well, I, I also have to say, you know, the little theme, something we've been saying for years, big and dumb is out, small and smart is in. It's playing out right in front of our eyes. You know, just took 30 years in the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, listen, you have a great weekend and we'll see you next week. Thanks, Jim. All right. And before we wrap the show, let's hear from our final sponsor. I'm going to come back and tell you about another great show next week. to talk about technology, innovation, all these big trends, you know, major shifts, and it's another thing to actually do it. Next week, we are going to have a phenomenal guest, uh, Sundar Papu from Inland Real Estate. And the topic, the theme is adopting an aggressive innovation strategy, automating everything. And these people just don't talk it in under Sundar's guidance. They do it, back end, middle, front end. So Come on back next Friday, buckle up, and you'll see firsthand what one of the most innovative real estate companies out there is doing, how they're doing it, and the results that they're getting. So with that, I'd like to bid farewell to everybody this week. Have a great weekend, and we will see you next Friday. Be well.